Turn to Deuteronomy 30, please. Deuteronomy 30. I'm going to read this from the Good News translation in verse 11. Actually, let's skip down to verse 15 for time's sake. The Lord is speaking and he said, today I'm giving you a choice between good and evil, between life and death. Whose choice is it going to be? Man's. God's choice? He said, I'm going to make a choice for you. I've already made the choice for you. No. Now religion says that. Many people believe that. God's already made the choice for you. That's not what the Bible says. God said, I'm giving you a choice. Between good and evil. Between life and death. Now when you say between good and evil, would both of those choices be choosing God? You're choosing evil, choosing God. Choosing good, choosing God. Yes. If you're choosing evil, you are not choosing God because God is not evil. How many believe God is not evil? He's not evil. What is he? He's good. Now that's a simple phrase, but it is deep and high and broad. Somebody said out loud, God is a good God. He's a good God. He's a really, really good God. And he's not even a little tiny bit evil. He's just all good. You heard the phrase, it's all good? Well, it's usually not. But when you're talking about God, he actually is all good. (laughs) He is truthfully. All good. No bad, no evil. Keep reading verse 16. If, everybody say if. If If you obey the commands of the Lord your God, which I give you today, if you love him and obey him and keep all his laws, then you'll prosper and become a nation of many people. The Lord your God will bless you in the land that you're about to occupy. All that is connected to an if based on your choice. Verse 17, but if you disobey and refuse to listen and are led away to worship other gods, keep going, you will be destroyed. I warn you here and now, you will not live long in that land across the Jordan that you're about to occupy. Now that is two very different lives he's describing. One of them, you prosper. You're blessed. You live a long time. The other one, you're cursed. It's not going to go good with you and your life is cut short. These are two different lives, aren't they? And whose choice? Man's. Man's choice. The very next verse, he says, I am now giving you the choice. He says it again. I'm giving you the choice. Between life and death, between living in the land, it going good with you, being protected, me prospering you, you living long in the land, it going well with you, or 
evil, death. You're being cut short in the midst of your years, dying young, dying hard, dying wrong. Hard life, cut short life. Between God's blessing and God's curse, I call heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. It even tells us what to do. Choose life. That one. Right? Whose choice is it? Now we've been examining some of these things. I want us to continue further today. But you hear these statements. And I want us to examine them in light of the word. Widely held. In much of most of the church world. God is sovereign. What does that mean? God is in control. Do you hear that a lot? God is in control. Is he? Of what? God is in control of what? People say everything. Everything. Really? God is in control of everything that's happening on this planet. There's a lot of bad stuff happening on this planet. There's a lot of evil stuff. People are being hurt. People are being abused. Innocents are being abused and murdered. God's in control of that? People are starving to death for lack of a decent meal. Living in squalor. Horrible lives. People are being treated like animals and Their lives are just counted as nothing. Hurt. God's in control of that. Some way or another, that's the will of God. That's the plan of God. Let's just start with you. God's in control of you. He's completely in control of you. Let's start with yesterday. (laughs) Everything you said, God was in control of. Everywhere you went, everything you did, everything you ate, everything you bought. I mean, the fact that you ate cornflakes instead of raisin bran was God's choice, his, his, his foreordained plan. Or do you have a choice? And have people chosen wrongly? Does God allow men to choose And do things that are completely opposite his will and his plan. The answer is yes. He does. If God is in control of everything. And you you hear people say, well, you know, ministers stand beside the uh, caskets of people that died young and and children and in tragedy. Awful things. House burnt down. Car wreck. Whatever the case may be. And send there and say, well, you know, God must have a reason. God must have, God has a purpose in everything. Really? God had a purpose in this three-year-old burning up in the house. Christians all over the place claim they will nod their head and go, yes, and God, there must be a reason. Well, granted, there's probably a reason, but that don't mean it's the will of God. 
God must have had a purpose. See, the implication is that somehow or another, God is in it, and it was his plan, and it was his will. This is not true. I said it is not true. There's all kind of evil stuff happening in the earth that's not the will of God, not the plan of God. God's not in it. He's not anywhere around it. He's nothing to do with it. Go with me to the book of Psalms, please. Now, you can probably hear in my voice, I'm weary of people maligning my good father. Are you? I don't know of anybody that's been misrepresented, maligned, blasphemed more than our good father God. Now, my dad, my earthly dad, is in heaven now. And he would be the first to tell you that he was not a perfect man or a perfect dad, but a good man, good daddy to me, good friend. And it would not sit well with me for somebody to to say he was a, a liar and he was a thief and he was a killer and he was an abuser of innocence. You know, I'm, I mean, I'm not going to try to beat you up or anything, but that's not going to bless me, right? I'm not going to be okay with it. I'm not going to nod my head while you disrespect my dad and accuse him of malicious and evil things that I know he was much better man than that, right? And how much more our Heavenly Father, who's never done anything evil, I said, never done anything evil. I said, never done anything evil. And yet, you got Christians, you got men and women in pulpits. If they don't say it, they imply it, they leave the impression that all of this terrible, evil stuff, somehow or another, God is involved in it had a reason for it, is doing it. If God is doing evil, how can he judge evil? Go with me to Luke, please. Hold the Psalms. In uh, Luke 6.43, a good tree brings forth not corrupt fruit. You don't get bad fruit out of a good tree. Do you? Neither does a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Verse 44. Every tree is known by his own fruit. Let's go over that again. What kind of fruit comes out of a good tree? Good fruit. fruit. What kind of fruit comes out of a bad tree? Bad fruit. Bad fruit? Bad tree. Good tree? Good fruit. But see, people go to school and get educated. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) And learn big words and figure out that it's much more complex than that. And learn how to take tones. God. In his sovereignty. And can explain all kind of stuff. You know, they got the devil working for God. 
You know? That's kind of underhanded, isn't it? Just go do it yourself. Oh, boy. I heard a sacred cow move just then. Did you? She went, ooh, move. We poked her, boy. She... Friends, there is a lot of religious junk that people preach and people believe. It's not in the Bible. It's not right. And it's keeping people away by the droves. I've seen this more than once when, when Phyllis and I were uh, dating in high school a few years ago. <laughs> One of, what are you laughing about? One of her young friends, they had just got married and they were real young. And this young man's brother got killed and he was just a kid. And they were at the funeral and uh, the pastor came by and said, you know, well, son, you know, and this young man's not a believer, not a churchgoer. And he's trying to tell him about his, his little brother that just got killed in a tragic way. And he said, well, son, he said, you know, uh, God had some purpose in taking him. And, and he went on to describe it. And I saw a glazed look come over that young man's face. And he said, well, if that's God, if God did that to my little brother, you'll never see me in church, he said. And he stormed out of the funeral home. And I, to this day, I don't know that he's ever been. But he's believing a lie. I said he's believing a lie. Because Jesus said it's the thief that comes. Stealing and killing and destroying. Is Jesus talking about himself? Is he talking about his heavenly father? Certainly God's not a thief. Nor a killer. Nor a destroyer. There's a devil. I said there's a devil. He steals. He kills. He destroys. It's not the will of God. And he's able to do things because of the choices people make. And sadly, sometimes when parents make wrong choices, innocents suffer. There are whole countries that are suffering miserably because nine generations ago, they forsook God. Did you hear me? And now it's been passed down generation to generation to generation and I thank God for our country. I am so thankful. But the further this country gets from God, the worse it's going to get. And we might not like to believe it, but there are millions of people in this country that don't believe in God at all. They laugh at him. They laugh at us. And there are millions of people that worship other gods in this country that are no gods at all. It's a blight on us spiritually. But good news God will have mercy and do things for his elect in the midst of darkness. If we'll ask him to and believe him to. He'll sustain us in spite of these things. He's doing it. He's done it. But the question comes up and people are looking for answers. You know, why do these awful, terrible things happen? And sometimes even to innocent, undeserving people. Why? And so people try to reason what they've been told with that and say, well, if God is almighty and all-knowing and he's in total control, then these evil things, they must have happened with his will or consent or some way. But friend, listen to this now. 
What kind of fruit, evil fruit, what kind of tree does it come out of? Evil tree. Is God evil? Absolutely. No way, no how. He's good. What's coming out of God? Anybody know? Good. Only good. Always good. Forever. Good. Friend, this is something I'm getting more stirred up about. I know it sounds simple, but how many believe it is deep and it is high? God is a good God. Come on, somebody say it out loud. My God, my Father is a good God. A good, good, good Father God. Hallelujah. Psalm 100. Psalm 105. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And His truth endures to all generations. Have you ever noticed how many times in the scriptures you'll find that phrase, for the Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. Or like this, everlasting. For the Lord, not just once or twice, not just 12 or 15, scores of times. For the Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. For the Lord is good. 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 I could say it another 30 times and I'd just be quoting scriptures. A different one every time. For the Lord is good. 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 But you've got a lot of a big part of the church saying, well, sometimes. He does, they won't use the word bad, but it's bad. Bad things, we don't understand why. But he must have had a reason. God must have some purpose in it. Why? Why believe that? What did the Bible say? Where is it at? We've got to watch about these blanket statements. Where is it at? In the scriptures. Look in Psalm 115. Psalm 115 and 16. We begin to get to some solid answers here. The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's. But the earth has he given to the children of men. Is the Lord in complete control? In heaven? Yes, he is. How can you tell? What's the crime rate in heaven? Huh? Help me out. How much? Diseases. Plagues. In heaven. Zero. Zero. Indication that good is in total control because all there is is good. How about down here? The earth has he given to the children of men. Now that would explain some things. If men are in control. Oh boy. I heard that cow again. Did you hear that cow? Oh. 
We poked it hard again. No, brother. God is in control of you, your neighbor. Millions adhere to what I call no-fault religion. No matter what happens, it's not our fault. No matter what doesn't happen, it's not our fault. Why? Because God. God, for some reason, some way, somehow, it was all Him. Whether we did it or we didn't do it. The Bible said the earth has He given to the children of men. If it's true that in place after place after place, God's not controlling it, men are controlling it, that would explain a lot of things. Wouldn't it? That would explain the evil, the tragedy, the pain. Go with me over to the book of uh, Luke. Uh, Luke 13, I believe it is. I know this is, like we said, this is poking some holy cows. This is, but let's open our eyes. Let's not try to stay in the bubble of the local church and stick our head in the sand. There's a lot of bad stuff going on around us. I mean, I hear things on the news and it just hurts my heart. Some of the awful things that are happening to people. And even little kids. It's evil. You want to tell me God's in control of that? that Some way or another that's his will? I don't buy it. I don't believe it. Somebody else is in control of that. Somebody else is doing something. Why do bad things happen to people? Even to some seemingly pretty good people. Or innocent people. Jesus dealt specifically with this. In this passage right here. In Luke 13 verse 1. There were present at that season some that told Jesus of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Now this is cruel. They went to the temple. They brought their sheep, their goat, whatever, their bull. They'd kill them and offer the blood according to the Old Testament prescription. For some reason, Pilate sent soldiers in there and they took their swords and they cut them up with their sacrifices and the blood was mingled together. Just a slaughter. Is that a terrible thing? Is that an evil thing? Killed, murdered these people. Verse 2, Jesus answered, he said, suppose you, do you suppose that these Galileans were sinners above all Galileans because they suffered such things? Now, this will answer some questions for us this morning. Why do bad things happen to people? Some folks, Christians, ministers, something bad happened to somebody, the first thing they want to say is judgment. Judgment. God judged them. Tornado, hurricane hit this city. Well, God's judging them. What are they trying to say? Well, there's more sin there or worse people there than the one beside him. That's what Jesus is saying. He said, do you think 
that those people that that happened to, that they were worse sinners than the other people there because it happened to them? Did you see verse 3, what Jesus said the answer was? What's the answer? What's the answer? Why don't we let that answer some things for us today? He said, no, it's not because they were worse people that this happened to them instead of another group. And here's an enlightening thing. What did he go on to say? Unless you repent, the same thing could happen to all of you. Instead of being shocked that bad things happen in this earth, we need to realize that unless there's some intervention and protection, it could happen to anybody. Anytime. Selah. (laughs) He goes on. Those 18 upon whom the tower in Siloam fell. This is like watching the news today. There was a tower in this place called Siloam. And 18 people happened to be there when something happened to this tower. Maybe it was the structure, something happened to it. It fell. And it fell on these 18 people and killed all of them. You ever hear anything like that on the news nowadays? Something happened. Somebody was killed. He said, do you think that they were sinners above all the people that dwelt in Jerusalem because they happened to be the ones that the tower fell on instead of somebody else? Now see, here's where people, they start trying to get philosophical and, and they think, well... God must have had some purpose. In a tower falling on a 12-year-old, God has a purpose. It's his will. But is this not preached in our pulpits? Is this not believed all over the place in our churches? God must have had some reason. In a truck running over a baby, God had a purpose, had a reason. I tell you, no. Jesus said, no, it's not that they were worse sinners than everybody else around. But unless you repent, you shall all likewise perish. What's the key in this world with men running things, with the curse in the earth, with devils loose? It's not are bad things going to happen. They're happening all over the place. It's are you going to be protected? Are you going to be some of them that it doesn't happen to? Come on, are you listening to me, saints? And a key to this is that you repent. And could this be an indication that if you were choosing wrong, you repent and say, I'm going to choose right. You're ignoring God. You're running away from God. You're rebelling against God. You can repent from that and submit to him and believe him and go his way. Can repentance make a difference between being destroyed and not being destroyed? Being protected and not being protected? Jesus says so. Keep going. This flows right into something that's enlightening. He said a certain man had a fig tree. Now you got to think, why would he tell this now after talking about that? They go together whether we see it or not. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. He came and sought fruit there and he found none. Keep going. He said to the dresser of his vineyard, these three years I come seeking, looking for fruit on this fig tree, I don't find any. Cut it down. It's cut it down destruction. It is. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? 
Why is it taking up my soil and, and my space? He answered and said, Lord, let it alone this year. And I'll dig around it. And I'll fertilize it. Keep going. If it bears fruit, good. And if not, after that you can cut it down. What does this sound like to you? This is prayer. This is intercession. Right? (laughs) This is prayer. Intercession. It's not why do bad things happen. Men are too much in control of this place down here. And because they yield to the wrong thing, devils are too much in control. And the curse is too rampant. It's not why do bad things happen. It's if we don't get some protection, (laughs) we're as vulnerable as anybody down here. The earth is a very dangerous place to be. (laughs) Very. I mean, there's enough germs in the air right here, right now, to kill every one of us dead. There's enough germs in your intestinal tract to kill you ten times over. Right now, there's enough toxins in the food you eat, the stuff you drink. You know what's what's keeping you alive? People say, well, my immune system. (laughs) Yeah, but your immune system ain't got anything unless God puts some life into it. Is it possible in this dark, diseased, devil-filled, curse-filled, dangerous earth to be kept, to be helped? to be spared, to be protected. But like we were saying earlier in our previous session, is it really that God is totally in control of everything down here? Or do we read the scripture, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man will open to me, I'll come in. If you don't open to him, and is he going to be in there with you anyway? Then if you don't open to him and he's not in there with you, then the stuff you got going on in there, God's not even in it. He's not even involved in it. He's not around it. Is it true that God's in control of everything down here? Or rather, is it, like Brother John Wesley said, founder of the Methodist Church, that he said, it seems God is limited by our prayer life. That God can do nothing for men unless someone asks him. Is it true that God's really controlling everything down here? Or is it true that unless somebody asks him in faith, he's not involved in it? Now, I know that's a radical thought. I heard that cow moo again. Did you hear on that? Go to the book of James, please. Don't take my word for any of this. Search the scriptures. Search the scriptures. If you think you believe something different... Discipline yourself to find what you think you believe in the scriptures. Find it. In order for something to be scriptural, you know what you need for it? Scriptures. (laughs) Where's the scriptures for what you think you believe? It's not enough to say, well, I just believe, I've just always believed. Well, that just don't mean much. Where are the scriptures? Well, I got a right to my beliefs. No, you don't. I don't either. If Jesus is our Lord, we're supposed to believe what he tells us to believe. Not just make up stuff as we go along. (laughs) Well, some folks are looking at me like this. like, hey, you didn't know what you were getting into when you came in here today, did you? (laughs) But God loves you. And he doesn't want you believing lies about him. 
How many think we ought to stop just nodding our head when people malign our great good father and accuse him of every atrocity on this planet? Oh, hallelujah. This is something some of our uh, forefathers in the so-called Pentecostal movement knew. People like Dr. John G. Lake. People like Smith Wigglesworth. Some of these men. I remember reading after some of them on one occasion, one of these individuals was in a room. They came and this dear sister was terrible, sick, and oppressed in a bunch of ways. And they came and he started speaking for that to go away. And this, her pastor jumped up and said, uh, you know, uh, God must have some purpose in this. And, and how dare you try to say something? And he said, how dare you, sir? This is not the work of my heavenly father. This is the devil himself working in this dear sister. And see, unless we, until we get bold about this and get sure about this, we're not going to see the kind of miracles that they saw. We won't see the kind of results that they saw. People starving to death. People living in bleak poverty, eking out in existence, trying to say sense to the will of God some way or another. Everything is not the will of God. Everything that people experience and happening is not the will of God. But look in James 5. This is the good news on this now. James 5, he's talking about prayer. And he said, if anybody's sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church. And among other things, he said, let them pray. Pray. Everybody say pray. Pray, pray the prayer of faith. And he said, uh, it heal the sick. And the Lord would raise him up. Is he saying there'd be a difference if they'd pray in faith? Difference between being healed and not being healed. If somebody would pray in faith. And he keeps going on. He says, verse 16, confess your faults one another and do what? Pray one for another that you may be healed. Did he, would he tell you to pray for something that it might not be his will for you to have? Certainly not. Well, it must be his will for you to be healed. The Verse 16, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Makes you want to say, how much? Listen to Young's literal translation of this. Verse 16. It says, very strong is a working supplication of a righteous man. Everybody say, very strong. strong. The Living Bible talks about this. The Living Bible says, the earnest prayer of a righteous man has great power and wonderful results. Somebody say great power and wonderful results. What has great power and wonderful results? An earnest prayer of a righteous man. People, some folks say, well, man, if we could just find some righteous people. <laughs> You've been made righteous by the blood of the Lamb. You cannot make yourself righteous. <laughs> The other part is earnest. Can you be sincere? Can you mean business? To the playing? Well then you can see something with great power and wonderful results. And he gives us a specific example. Very next verse. Of Elijah. He said Elijah was as completely human. As we are. You believe that? You know it's easy to, to think about these men. As superhuman. And when you think about Elijah. Standing on the mount, calling down fire on the sacrifice, facing down these hundreds of prophets of Baal. I mean, you tend to put a cape on the man. Right? 
<laughs> Somebody say, Elijah. Whoo. <laughs> Super prophet. But we know that the very next day, he's whining up under a tree. <laughs> God, just kill me. Just kill me. Just put me out of my misery. Because you know, you know I'm the only one left. I'm the last one. I'm the last prophet. God had to tell him, you're not the last one. I got thousands of people in this land. (laughs) But he's wanting to die. He's wanting to quit. He's scared of Jezebel. Believing wrong stuff. Just as human as us. You know what kind of people God uses? People just like us. You know why? He ain't got nobody else. <laughs> Sometimes makes you feel for him, doesn't make you? Makes you want to pray for God, but who would you? Who would you pray to? Now he, we, by his hand on us and by his grace, we are enough and more than enough for him to use. In spite of our frailties and weaknesses, ignorances. But he's wanting us to see just what this man did, you can do too. He's not some superhuman different from you. He's a man's, King James says, subject to like passions. This translation, completely human as we are. And yet when he prayed, somebody say he prayed. When he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, what happened? None fell. Because it was the sovereign plan and will. No, didn't say that. Well, God's in control of the weather. Really? You would think he'd tweak it a little bit because, man, sometimes it's too hot. <laughs> sometimes it's too cold. Sometimes the wind blows too hard. And sometimes lightning blows the roof off. And if he's in control. <laughs> I heard that cow moo again. <laughs> the Bible says the whole earth is groaning and travailing. Why? It's been affected by sin and the curse. The same thing is happening to your body is happening to the planet. The planet is getting old. And the Lord's going to have to change the whole thing. The Bible said the elements are going to melt with fervent heat. He's going to have to make a new heavens and a new earth. And you and I are going to get to experience a new heaven and a new earth with no sin, no curse. And the temperature is going to be perfect. Perfect. The humidity is going to be perfect. Perfect. No more hurricanes. No more earthquakes. The earth has he given to the children of men. If he's given the earth to the children of men, then men could pray and the weather be changed. It's happened before. It can happen again. He prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And what happened? It didn't rain for three and a half years. And then he prayed again. And this time that it would rain. And down it poured. And the grass turned green. And the gardens began to grow again. Why? Why? Because God was in control. That's not what it said. Why? 
Because a man prayed. Because a man prayed. If God has given the earth to the children of men, then he's not running everything. And it's not that he's controlling everything. It's unless somebody invites him in and asks him to get involved, you don't see his involvement. How could you know he was involved? You're going to see something good. Right? You're going to see something good. If it's good, it's him. Go to Genesis. Can you take a little bit more of this? (laughs) Some folks may be wondering. Genesis 18. You don't necessarily have to turn there. But it's a story of Abram and how that uh, the angel of the Lord came and the angels came to him and he was hospitable to them. And then as they were leaving, he said to him, shall I hide from Abram the thing that's about to happen here? He's talking about Sodom and Gomorrah and how the wickedness of it, the cry of it had come up to heaven. And uh, Abram saw that that place is about to be destroyed. And his kinfolks lived there. Lot and his family. Shouldn't have been living there. But they were. And so he says. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? What if there's some righteous people in that city? Wouldn't you spare it? For 50 righteous What'd the Lord say? What'd the Lord say? What'd the Lord say? Yeah. I'll spare it. For 50. Now if as some people preach and teach, the Lord would have said, don't try to talk to me about this. This is the plan of God. It's been set from the foundation of the world. How dare you, worm of a man, try to talk to the Almighty We've already talked about this. If everything is set in concrete and God has foreordained everything and it has to be that way, nobody's got any choice or control, there can't be any if. And there's definitely if. And he keeps saying if. We find 50 righteous people. The Lord said, I'll spare the whole place. And uh, Abraham said, uh, what if we're a little short (laughs) of that 50 mark? Let's say we just five... Short, Lord. <laughs> What'd the Lord say? I'll spare the whole place for 45. He said, Lord, uh, don't be upset with me, but what if we can only find 40? And then he said, what if we can only find 30? He said, I, I'll spare the whole place for 30. He said, how about 20? <laughs> Now, I want you to listen. The weather was changed for years because a man prayed in faith, earnestly. Here, we're talking about a large city, whether it's destroyed or not destroyed. Based on what? A man asking God to spare it. He said, Lord, I feel like I'm pushing it here, but if we can only find 10 and the Lord said I will spare the whole city for 10 and I think Abraham thought we got it because Lot's family's bigger than 10 
He had his daughters and his sons and his, his son-in-laws and, and his kids and his grandkids. And I think he thought, well, you know, man, we got that, but uh, they've been living over there too long. And apparently there weren't even ten righteous people in that whole big, huge city. Friend, this is the problem. Lack of faith. The scripture said, when the Lord comes back, shall he find faith in the earth? That's why it's called precious Precious. Is it true that whole cities can be spared from being destroyed? Because somebody asked him to in faith. Weather can be changed for months and years. What is this telling us? What is this showing us? Didn't Jesus say, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. If any two of you agree as touching anything you ask for, my Father will do it for you. Did he say it? Did he say it? Then it's not that God is controlling everything no matter what men do. Down in heaven, he is completely in control. Hey, won't it be wonderful to get there? But he said, we're not supposed to just wait till then. He said, pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, if it was already being done, he wouldn't tell us to pray that it would be done. That reveals it's not being done. Because he told us to pray that it would be done. Oh, but friend, do you believe that if you and I will come boldly to the throne of grace and ask in faith... Sincerely, that even in this dark, bleak, sin-filled, disease-filled, curse-filled, devil-filled, dangerous place, that if we'll open the door and we ask the Lord in and we invite him in and we believe him, that he will do things. He will get involved. He will manifest. How will we know God got involved? You'll see something good. Something good will happen. You'll hear and you'll know somebody asked him in. Somebody asked him to get involved. Somebody asked him to come in. Oh, can you say amen, saints? Stand on your feet, everybody. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Let's lift our hands and thank the Father that we have the privilege of prayer. Oh, thank you, Lord, that we can pray and you'll hear us. That you'll get involved. Oh, let's pray it out loud, saints. Father God, we do not believe you are the problem. We do not believe that there is anything dark or evil in you. You are light, and in you is no darkness at all. You're a good God. It's all you've ever been, and all you will ever be. And I'm so glad to know you. Forgive us for times we did not invite you in. We did not include you. We did not ask and believe for you to get involved. And we don't blame you. We know it's because of men and devils, but not you. 
that these bad things happen. But we say with open arms, open heart, open door, open mind, open lives. Come in, Lord. Fill us up. We want you in every part. Show us how to ask you in more and believe you to be involved more. Oh, thank you, Lord. Just lift up your hand. Let's thank him for hearing our prayers. Lord, we thank you. We thank you. Oh, I'm so thankful. Thank you for light. Thank you for truth that makes us free. Thank you for your goodness. Oh, you're so wonderful. So wonderful. So wonderful. So wonderful. Oh, hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.